When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Rush Nation, before we get into today's show, let me tell you about ExpandTheBoxScore.com, putting advanced statistics in your hands like never before. They've sifted through every game together and saw every statistic you could possibly want to make better informed breakdowns of players and teams, and they're doing it for a peasant's price. The NFL package is just $15, and Total Football, which is NFL and college, is just $25 for a year's subscription. If you're playing DFS in any leagues for money, this is, without a shadow of a doubt, the easiest investment you'll ever make. Head over to expandtheboxscore.com to start your subscription now. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, Rush Nation, second show of the week. I'm joined once again by Rich. Welcome back, my friend. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, didn't get hold of um, Murph, who's in Botswana, so thought I'd, I'd come back again. Is the currency still about seven to the penny? Is that... Uh, yeah, yeah, no. it is. Yeah, Murph hasn't managed to change the currency in the time he's been there. No, I don't. I don't think he'd manage to. To be honest, they're quite they're quite firm on that. <laughs> firm on the currency. <laughs> to be fair, he might still be in the shipping container somewhere in a dock somewhere. Who knows? That's true. I mean, short of just paying the bloke in the pub, I didn't really worry about the logistics. Oh no, and it's worked out because you're back. So, yeah, watch out, Murph. So we teased you earlier in the week Rush Nation that we had a guest and it's Ben Rolf. Ben's been on before. Ben welcome back mate how are you doing? I'm all right I still haven't slept since we took Derek Carr as a second uh, quarterback in that draft we did last time so I'm hoping that this is going to fix all my sleeping problems. Well you know you sound remarkably good considering you haven't slept and and we are slightly delayed today because Rich had an Ocado delivery turn up with uh, three kilos of quinoa, four kilos of organic roasted vegetables <laughs> and a load of oat milk for his son. So we'd like to apologise for that on behalf of everybody else, Fresh Nation. It was Rich's fault. We are running slightly behind schedule. Ben, in order to be able to sleep tonight, what do you need to go right? Well, just as long as we don't spend too long talking about rubbish quarterbacks that no one's ever going to draft, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, well, we might do. I mean, to be fair... We, we're going to be talking projections, and the initial idea was to pitch Rich's projections against Ben's projections and work out who was higher and lower. And then Ben turned around and said, well, I don't really tend to do projections, I just work off tiers. So I'm going to get Rich's projections and tear them to pieces and see if Rich can retaliate. So that's basically the outline of today's show. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit set upon here, but that's that's all good. Well, to be fair, Ben is the guest, Rich, so he takes a little precedence, unfortunately. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and to be fair, Ben, if you if you get anything wrong, Rich is going to ship you off to some ungodly country after paying his mate in the pub. So he's been trying that since we started the UKFL project. So I'm I'm used to that. Yeah, I was going to say, um, how do you feel about Angola? Whoa. It seems like a dream holiday destination to me. Yeah, ideal. Ideal. And, uh, and just to let you know ahead of time, the uh, the currency there is the Angolan Kwanzaa. You looked that up previous, didn't you? That is I, I, I actually knew work. that because uh, in my day job, we had a company that was based in Angola. And it's the Kwanzaa? Yeah, the Kwanzaa. And how many of them do you get to the pound? Uh, I can't remember. It's like a billion. A billion to the pound? They must. Yeah, it's, it's one of those made up ones, really. Like Monopoly money. Yeah, exactly. I, I would, if there's any Angolans listening, I would like to apologise on behalf of Five Yard Rush. Rich's so, thoughts are his and his is alone. <laughs> so <laughs> one one pound will get you 440 Angolan Kwanzaa. Wow. So if you want to be a millionaire, just go there. Easy. That's a lot. That would, that's almost like the Turkish lira when you get sort of four and a half thousand to the penny. That's incredible. There's... To be fair, Ben, you'd have a better exchange rate than Murph would to be seven to the penny. <laughs> you learn, oh, you learn a lot here that you just didn't know before you came on Five Yard Rife. I, I just, I just didn't know that this was just such an educational and world currency. Yeah, I, I like, I like to give a kind of a more rounded experience. Yeah, so we had Murph on the streets during the season last year, where Murph hit you with pure fantasy football stats, and clearly that wasn't enough for Rich because he's gone global, and we're talking random world currency. So, if you do have any currencies you want to know, then uh, hit Rich up on Twitter or us at Five Yard Rush or Rich. It's uh, Rich. What's your Twitter? Uh, Rich King FF. There you go. So, any random currency requests, Rich is there for you, boys and girls, all day. And Rich, if you get any, you know. We'll retweet them and you can at us and we'll have some currency talk. But we should talk about fantasy football, boys. How does that sound? Yeah, I mean, if you want to. Well, I am enjoying the currency talk. We could just start a whole new, a whole new branch of Five Yard Rush and call it, oh, I don't know, five quasi pennies to the dollar or something. But we'll, 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 we'll talk about that another time. So today we're doing projection disagreements. It was going to be projection battles. But as I said, Ben said, nope, I only do tears because I'm real. So we're going to talk about Rich's projections and uh, if it's a disagreement, I'll throw mine in and you can both come at me instead just to ease the pain, Rich. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so Ben, we might as well talk about quarterbacks first considering that if you're not going to get any sleep, you might as well start now. Yeah, so I noticed that Rich has Kyler Murray quite high and I think generally people are viewing Murray quite high and I I think this is a kind of feed off what people saw from Patrick Mahomes last year and hoping that that kind of gunslinging style quarterback that's got a bit of mobility can, can do it again. But I'm just not buying it. I've I've seen enough of the Arizona Cardinals in the last year and in the last couple of weeks in preseason to understand that realistically their offensive line cannot block and Kyler Murray is going to be hammered from all sides continuously for 16 games, four quarters, and it's just not going to end well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing I have for Kyler Murray is just, I just think he's going to rush like mad because he's going to have to, because there's going to be, as you say, an awful offensive line protecting him and he's just going to run like mad. Similar to kind of uh, Josh Allen last season. Um, but I think he'd be a more effective runner than Josh Allen. That's kind of the reason why I've got him where he is, because obviously the scoring mechanic for quarterbacks is um, skewed to rushing see that's bold because Josh Allen was so good rushing the football last year I mean he rushed the ball 89 times for 631 yards that's 7.1 yards per attempt he scored eight touchdowns so a touchdown every 11 rushes I don't see how Kyler Murray can be any more efficient than that and I I think he will complete more than 52% of his passes I think obviously he's going to play more games so he's going to go over 2,000 yards but I just worry that he is going to get it's going to be such an experience for him behind that offensive line. I understand that the offensive system is very strong and we haven't seen anything yet in terms of it's been very vanilla in the preseason, so we don't know quite what we're going to get when they step out on the field. But I just I just have a lot of concerns that um, Allen finished 21st at the position. I know he only played 12 games last year. 
but essentially doing what we see Kyler Murray doing. And I just don't see how Murray has a top 10 fantasy year. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I think that middle, that middle gap between, say, 13 to 21, it's not, it's not a massive... It's not a massive amount either way, like a touchdown here or a touchdown there and a guy can go from the bottom to the top. Um, it, it is just for me, the reason why I've got him where I have is because I think that he's going to be running so much every game that I think he's just going to give you a half-decent floor. And I think that offense, just ha- it has to be better from the fact that they've got a new offensive-minded coach. They've drafted offensive players so in my mind, it has to be better than it was last season. While the offensive line might struggle, I think that you might see similar to Josh Allen and Cam Newton at times where you know he didn't have the greatest offensive line that he will just have to run to, to pick up points. But I think he will. And I think that his, his ability to avoid those big hits um, will mean that he'll be able to play more games. So rather than Cam Newton, who seems like he almost goes head first into a collision, I think Kyler Murray will just duck and slide. So I think he'll be able to play more. Yeah, yeah his durability is going to be key because he's, he's a slight quarterback just by stature. I know a lot's been made of his height, but just in general, when you look at him, he doesn't, he doesn't look like a Josh Allen or a Cam Newton in terms of his physical stature. So... Avoiding hits is going to be key. If he plays the game like the way that we saw Lamar Jackson at times, where he was getting out of bounds and getting down under hits, that's fine. But if he plays the game like Robert Griffin, for example, where he purposefully turns back into hits, I think we're going to have a serious problem where we're going to find Kyler Murray not on our fantasy teams by week 12 or 13 because he's just not going to be able to take that punishment in the open field as well as what I fear he's going to get while he stands in the pocket. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think the reason why I've got him where he is, cause I think he will avoid those tackles. I think he's, I think he has to be aware of how slight he is. And so I think he'll play to that. I think on that issue, Rich, you know, you said the other day about uh, I was pretty small and it, I wouldn't be a lot to lift up. Me and Kyler Murray are pretty much exactly the same size. So just essentially put me behind centre in the Arizona Cardinals and that's the target these guys are aiming at and it isn't big, let me tell you. Rich, you've currently got him at 13, uh, Murph has him at 14 and I have him at 9 purely because I think the Cardinals' offence is going to be fun and they're going to score a lot of points. I, they might not win games because I think they'll be in shootouts because their defence is terrible but like you said, Rich, Kyler Murray will run. Ben, you also don't agree on Sam Donald because Rich has him way too low. Rich has him at 26 where, where would you think he should be? See, I would have Darnold up in that group that sits around the Brady, Roethlisberger type scene. About, I think that's about QB 20 is where people are taking him. So, I mean, we're really only talking about two QB leagues. But I also think we're going to find that Darnold becomes an in-season picker. I mean, just look at his wide receiver call. Robbie Anderson is, is absolutely brilliant. Quincy Anumar is, is very talented. He's obviously going to be throwing it to Chris Herndon when he gets back. He's got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. And most importantly, he's got the guy that Peyton Manning dubbed as a quarterback whisperer in Adam Gaze. Now, I mean, Adam Gaze is at times a bit of a joke in the way that he acts and that he behaves in the public spotlight. But the one thing he does seem to be quite good at is is getting the most out of quarterbacks. I mean... I'm willing to write off Ryan Tannehill because I'm still not sure he's not just a wide receiver pretending to be a quarterback. But I think he can get the best out of Darnold. I think this system can. Again, their offensive line does worry me a little bit, but I think they're going to be in plenty of shootouts this year. And I think Darnold is going to put up some solid numbers. Um, Again, interceptions will be the biggest concern, but another year... Sounds like he's ripping the ball a bit better. I, I really think he can take the next step, and he's someone I've been targeting in all of these leagues, like the Scott, Scott Fishbowl, the Eurovision Fantasy Football Contest that we're in. Any Superflex league, Sam Darnold has really been my guy that I've been targeting late in draft, and someone I think could give you maybe not top 15 production, but he could comfortably sit in that 15 to 20 range, and there is the outside chance he can go even higher. Yeah, I think my, my, the biggest concern I've got with Sam Darnold is I just don't think that Adam Gase is going to be able to call that many plays. I mean, 
the the speed of play when he was in Miami was pretty awful, and I'm I'm actually so you mentioned Quincy Anunwa. I'm a little bit concerned for him this season, um, just from the standpoint that he was most effective when he was operating out the slot, and I think that's going to be Jameson Crowder's area where he's going to be operating. So I'm a little bit nervous about Anunwa. Um, being as effective as we maybe hope he would be. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, to, to be fair, Jameson Crowder is not a bad player to be thrown to out of the slot if you're not throwing to Quincy Nimwar. I just think that Jets receiving core flashed a lot of talent last year and now they've added Crowder. They've added Bell, who we know is good with the ball in his hands. So I, I just see Darnold being massively underrated. I mean, I'd have him, like I said, I'd have him right around Rothsberger, but I'd probably trust him over someone like Tom Brady for fantasy. Obviously, I'd rather have Tom Brady in real life. But from a fantasy point of view, I just think the Jets are going to be in in plenty of shootouts. They're going to need to be slinging the ball around. And Darnold has got the right keys to, to unlock kind of a decent season. I mean, I don't think I'm going crazy on him, but I just think 21st is underplaying the potential that he has. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I don't really... Mind him, and I think those those quarterbacks that I've got in that in that range, they're all they are all pretty tight. I've just I, I do have some concerns around not Darnold. It's more it's more Adam Gase, like how that's going to operate because he obviously brought his um, coordinators across as well. And I, I'm I'm just I'm more concerned about the the amount of plays that they're going to be able to run. And obviously, if they're not able to run plays, then Darnold's going to be limited to in throwing the ball. That's my biggest concern. Absolutely. And I, uh, yeah, that group is, is all very close. It's going to be very small margins that separate them. If anybody's going to jump out of that group, it's, it's probably Roethlisberger based on what we've seen. But among that group, you're right, any of them could probably finish 12 and any of them could probably finish 23, 24. But I just think Darnold's a guy that is worth targeting late, especially in two quarterback leagues or in sort of super deep, one quarterback leagues if you're just willing to sit and wait and let everybody else jump on quarterbacks and you just want to load up on wide receivers and running backs and then get a quarterback at the end of your draft. Yep, that's fair. Yeah, I agree. I think we mentioned Roethlisberger on the pod earlier in the week, Ben, and saying he was late and I think Donald's in exactly the same sort of tier as him and and Rich just said all that they're pretty much much of a muchness and you know, you do need to wait on quarterback unless you're in a super flex or two quarterback league. So, if you, you you're going to take Donald, it's going to be in one of those. And like like you mentioned, Ben, only streaming him really in one quarterback leagues. But I think in dynasty as well, he's a pretty good add because I think the Jets' offense is going to be good for a few years to come, and their defense is getting better. So, I think he could be a good sneaky add in dynasty if you're just starting a dynasty league up. But let's move on to running back chaps. So, we mentioned Devonta Freeman earlier in the week, and Ben, you think he should be below Aaron Jones and Carry On Johnson, not above? Yeah, so I looked the other week at the potential um, guys that could lead the league in rushing yards for PFN for my gambling article that I do for them. And the numbers for Jones and Carry On stood out to me because they were just so high in their yards per attempt. If either of them had played another five or six games, they would have actually been challenging for that title last year. Um, I mean, Rich is a Packers fan, so he'll know what watching Aaron Jones was like. It was it was actually quite scary. I have to say, I watched the Packers with Aaron Jones running the ball, and I found myself thinking, how does anybody stop this team if he's healthy with Rodgers in the playoffs? Because he's ripping off five yards per carry on average. Roethlisberger can shred you when he when he's in the mood. I just even in an offense that was dysfunctional, Aaron Jones looked an absolute monster. And to me, that offense is likely only to get better this year. So for Jones and Kerryon, it's about their talent. But I think the bigger conversation revolves around Devonta Freeman and his injury history. I know you guys spoke about it earlier in the week, but I have serious concerns about anybody that's got one or two concussions on their, on their record, but three concussions, um, an MCL sprain and PCL sprain, a sports hernia, a foot bruise, a knee bruise, a hip strain, all in the last three years. That has me seriously concerned that he is not going to be durable and not going to make it through the season. 
and that's all well and good if you can handcuff him. But I can't even handcuff him because I don't know which of that terrible running back group is going to be the backup. At the moment, there's three potential guys it can be. And I don't want to waste three late round picks trying to handcuff Devonta Freeman when I can just get someone like Aaron Jones or Kerryon Johnston, who I know had their injury problems last year, but are younger, don't have so many miles on the clock and are potentially in offenses that are ready to take a step up this season. And Kerryon has a run first offensive coordinator. There's so much that those guys have that I just see their ceiling being so much higher than Devonta's this year. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me with, um, so Kerryon, I'll take Kerryon Johnson first. So, um, He's he's said himself that he doesn't really want to be a bell cow. Um, I think that I think I think Kerryon Johnson. I mean, in, in full disclosure, I think I sent these rankings before um, before uh, Riddick got released. Um, so I probably would move him up slightly, but I do have concerns in Kerryon Johnson with him being able to actually be able to deal with the workload that the Detroit Lions will give him. Uh, I think that, yeah, the, the Detroit Lions are not a great team and they'll probably be in a lot of negative game scripts. And he does look like he'll be the like the lead pass catcher in, in that backfield now. So I think I probably would give him a bit of a bump from that. But I think, I, I think I'd still probably have him below Freeman because Freeman, yeah, as you say, he might not be durable. But I think if I can get him as my RB2... Then and he's you know I've got him thirteen which so he's right on that cusp. Um, then I think I'd be pretty happy and I think that would give me like a decent advantage if if Freeman stays healthy. Um, in terms of Aaron Jones, I I'm a, I'm a Packers fan so I actually find myself almost um, almost kind of like trying to downgrade the Packers in into not be um, biased towards them. I think Aaron Jones, he is, as you say, he is, he's scary when he's on the field. Um, and I think that the Packers offense, it will just be better just through not having Mike McCarthy running it. Um, one thing that has concerned me a little bit is this hamstring because I know he's he's kind of downplayed it, but he's missed he's missed quite a lot of practice time and he's missed, you know, both preseason games for what it's worth. Um, and so I think I'd feel a lot more confident when I saw him on the field. Um, healthy, so yeah, I, I I can kind of see the argument as to as to why, um, why why you think they're they're higher because I think that green the the Green Bay offense is, I feel as though it's going to be really good, but I, I don't ever know if that's just me speaking as a Packers fan, and so I just love any player on the Packers or or not. I mean, I'd be I I think. If I was if I was drafting tomorrow, then I'd probably probably I would probably take Aaron Jones before because I can handcuff him late because I know it's going to be Jamal Williams, like one hundred percent hands down. Um, so that yeah, yeah, I think I I have to say that for me they're in that same kind of tier, so I wouldn't really mind between any of them, but I do have Freeman ranked where he is. Yeah, it's splitting hairs, but it's a decision that a lot of fantasy owners are going to have to take because, I, I, I mean, I looked at your, your rankings and I didn't see major discrepancies in the running backs. I mean, I think I pointed out that I would flip Connor and David Johnson and I would flip Freeman below these guys. I mean, if, if moving guys two or three places is all, you, all you're finding, then you're pretty much on the same page. I, I just find myself looking at in the third round a lot at the names Jones, Johnson and... Um, Freeman and I have to say not once has it come across my mind to take Freeman it's always been Jones or Johnson so I just thought it's worth a discussion just because like I said a lot of people especially middle of the third round are going to be facing that dilemma perhaps with no running backs or one running back and a wide receiver already on their roster yeah no I understand I'm I'm always wondering if because I know you covered um, the Falcons last year on news desk so I'm wondering if you're more bias against Freeman because obviously you knew that he missed like he's it's more in your conscious that he missed time yeah because he ruined sense. my life yeah 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 absolutely he ruined I mean? my so, life week in week out trying to guess if he was going to play or not absolutely yeah, so it's more in your um, conscience that he uh, in your consciousness that he um missed time last season 
Yeah, there's a little bit of that, but some of it is just down to the fact that concussions just scare the crap out of me when it comes to an NFL player. It just leaves him in a situation where any minute he could take a hit that ends his season because when you've had three of them already, and I mean, to me, that's more serious than... And then that's more likely than somebody taking a hit to their knee that puts them out for the season. I mean, we know running backs can be shut down at a moment's notice, but I just feel like it's being risk-averse as much as anything. So it's just not taking that extra little bit of risk. All three of these guys have injury risk in their day-to-day elements, but Freeman just has that little bit more. Yeah, no, I I understand where you're coming from. And the the handcuff argument is... Yeah, it's it's pretty compelling. I mean, when when you had um, when you had the, the duo of Coleman and Freeman, like you kind of knew who it was going to be. But as you say, it could any be any one of a number of guys at the moment. Yeah, I mean, where do we stand on Josh Jacobs and Leonard Fournette as well? Then guys in this sort of tier, do you think where would you have them in relation to the three players we just talked about? My worry with Jacobs is is just that you're just kind of what you're getting in Oakland. I mean, we've seen one horror show in the preseason from them and one decent showing. We saw horror shows and good performances all last year. You just don't know what you're getting. I, I'm i hoping that they've solidified that offensive line and we're going to see more consistency out of the running backs, but I'm not, I'm not confident. So for me, Jacobs is kind of sitting alongside Freeman in terms of in that kind of third, fourth spot. It, so for me, it would be Carrion, Jones, what, Probably Jones over over Kerry and Johnson, then uh, Jacobs, then Freeman, and then I'm probably looking at Fournette because I just don't trust him to stay healthy at all, and I don't trust the situation in Jacksonville to not just be continuously him running against loaded boxes. Yeah, I think the the lid probably gets lifted a little bit on Fournette because they've got Foles. He's not, and he has to be better than Blake Bortles because well, I I, I think he, he he kind of has to be. I mean. Blake Bortles wasn't... He was great for fantasy, but he was an awful quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I loved him, but I hated him as well. It was uh, Someone with a Blake Bortles jersey, you, you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, um, so, I mean, don't forget as well, Nick, Nick Foles is a Super Bowl MVP. Don't. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, just, just so all listeners know, Ben's actually a Pats fan, so just... Yeah, feel free to rip him anytime. That's about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so David Montgomery's also been climbing up ADP a lot recently. Have you where do you boys sit on him? Do you think he's in that tier as well or is he in the tier below? See, I really like Mike Davis. I think Davis is experienced, he he's got the trust of NFL teams because they've seen he can do it before at this level. I just worry that if Montgomery has one fumbling issue and I'm not saying he's got an issue there but let's say he puts the ball on the ground once he's going to lose significant time to Davis because they're going to worry that that it's a rookie it's going to be too much for him I I just think there's enough question marks in that backfield that we can't talk about him in line with these five guys that are going to see the majority of the carries and are going to be trusted the most it's bad enough that Montgomery's going to be competing for time in the backfield with Tariq Cohen but when you chuck in a guy of considerable talent in Davis, then I just think the whole thing gets a bit too messy for my liking. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I've, I've probably got, he's probably the next guy into the conversation to get into that tier, but it is still a little bit of a gap. As, as Ben said, Mike Davis, I think is going to be that thorn in David Montgomery's side and in fantasy owners' sides, because they're going to start David Montgomery. And I think you'll find that, you know they'll trust Mike Davis in certain red zone situations versus David Montgomery, and I think those two might spell each other a little bit. Um, and I think it's just yeah. going to be one of those where you're just going to get frustrated. You're going to be a David Montgomery owner saying, "Why are you pulling him out? Why are you pulling him out?" and putting in Mike Davis, but you're not going to be able to start Mike Davis. I don't think in too many games. He's just going to be one of those. I'm just going to kill your fantasy team rather than help it in any way. Yeah, and right now I don't know how often uh, Montgomery's going to be on the field in two-minute drill situations because they're always going to lean to the pass-catching elusiveness of Cohen. They might look at the experience of Davis in those kind of situations. And I'd like to see more of Montgomery's pass-blocking. I know they've 
I talked this week about how much the Bears love him. And I mean, I mockingly retweeted that and said, breaking news, NFL team loves draft pick. Like, of course, if they're going to talk great about him, they drafted him, they want to boost his confidence, they need him this season at times. But I just think when crunch comes to it, you're going to see at the most frustrating moments Montgomery pulled off the field, as Rich says. Yeah, I think his running style as well, it does lend itself to those... um those issues in terms of, you know, being durable, because he's, he's quite a heavy runner, you know, kind of similar to, I don't want to say Marshawn Lynch, because he's not Marshawn Lynch, but that kind of like big bruising kind of runner. And I think if you're not used to getting those hits in the NFL, you know, you're going to get used to him pretty quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Never yeah. a true word said. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in college, you know, they're going against guys who are about the same size and, you know, whatever. But, I mean, we spoke about him earlier in the, season, uh, earlier in the week, but, you know, Clay Matthews, he's just going out to murder someone. <laughs> you know, like, he, he won't care. He'll just put you in the ground. And that's, that's what you need to get used to. And I think it's going to be a bit of a shake for him. I do like the offense in Chicago, but, Again, as we keep saying, I, I think that Mike Davis is going to be one of those guys who's just going to be a thorn in the side all season. He's going to be like the James Devlin in, in New England last year, isn't he? Just stealing goal line work. Yeah, oh. that that's what I can see. Absolutely horrendous. Right, boys, I think we should end this call and then jump back in so we don't get interrupted mid-wide receiver. How does that sound? Cool. Right, I'll see you in a sec. Right, boys, let's talk some wide receivers. Ben, I know you're pretty high on Julio and Mike Evans. Rich, where do you stand on these guys? Um, I like Julio. Um, Mike Evans, I'm not as maybe as high on because I think that you know, you, you've got Godwin who's going to be stealing targets and I think Howard as well. Now, Tampa, I think, will be in a lot of negative game scripts, so there'll be a lot of targets to go around. But, I mean... I just said that I'm, I'm a Packers fan, so I'm maybe a little bit down on Packers players, but I'm really high on Devontae Adams this season, which I'm sure Ben is not going to like. Uh, well, I'm, I'm split on Adams because Tyler Arthur wrote a brilliant um, article for the touchdown today looking at how Adams catches touchdowns and how, his, how Rogers only looks his way. And he broke down all the film and stuff like that. And it, it kind of convinced me that 12, I keep looking at it and saying, right, well, okay, he's had double-digit touchdowns three years in a row, but that can't keep going once they get actual wide receivers there with him. But I really think it can because I, I really think they just are just going to keep inside the red zone, loading up that side of the field in a triple stack, but only looking Adams' way. That's all they seem to do is just target Adams in the red zone. So I, I do think his sheer weight of touchdowns is going to have him right up there. But I just think that... Julio Jones is so good without doing the touchdowns that if he does get some sort of positive touchdown luck like we saw towards the end of last season, he could be a runaway at the top of this position because he is so good catching the ball and and making yards after the catch and doing all that kind of element that it could be an absolute monster year for him. And his massive advantage is that he's going to play is it 10 or 11 games in a dome this year? It might even be more than that. They might only play three or four outside this season, the Falcons. Whereas you're going to have Adams going into places like Solskjaer Field. You're going to have him playing at Lambeau in the cold, in potentially wet, slippy conditions at times where the game script is going to lend itself more towards running the ball. And I just think that Julio has the chance to be so good that we talk about him as a top three pick next year. And I don't see that for any of the other wide receivers in that kind of top tier. Wow. <clears throat> so I, I, I like Julio, but maybe not to that level. I think the, the the thing that always annoys me about Julio is I just wish he'd score more. Doesn't everyone. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's, and, and they seem to come in massive bunches. I mean, I remember couple of seasons ago that game against Carolina where he just went ballistic it was like the Carolina Panthers and sold his mum or something like that whoa he, he just every single play just seemed to be taking it to the house for like an 80 yard touchdown um I think that's that's the biggest issue that I have with him I think 
I think Devontae Adams, he is he's just that good in Green Bay. And I think he's now got the trust of Aaron Rodgers. And more so than any quarterback in the league, I'd say Aaron Rodgers is one of those trust guys. And he needs to know that you're going to be where he's going to throw the ball three seconds before he's thrown it. You know, he needs to know that you're going to make that that break. Um, and I think Devontae Adams has he's made that he's made that transition to having that trust of of Rogers. Um, I think I certainly agree with you that the the, the dome slash outdoor thing can definitely have a have an impact on them. I just think Devontae Adams is going to be. I, I actually think while while everyone's talking about touchdown regression, I actually think the opportunity to score more touchdowns is very real because of how Green Bay were in in the red zone. It, it was a it was a career low for um, Aaron Rodgers in terms of red zone passing attempts. They really rushed the ball a hell of a lot more than they than they used to. Now part of that might be because they had Aaron Jones who as we said earlier is a bruising runner, but I think if you've got a first ballot Hall of Famer who I think we can all agree Aaron Rodgers probably is then you wouldn't you trust him with the ball in his hands? Yeah, just again, it just comes down to weather conditions. There'll be times in the year where it's just not logical for them to put the ball in Rogers' hands inside the 20. They're going to naturally try and play it a little bit more conservative. And I, I just think that adds up. Julio, yeah, he does score in bunches. But I mean, he didn't score for what, the first six or seven weeks last year? I think it was seven weeks he didn't score for. Then he scored three in a row, three in three weeks went two weeks without, and then finished with five and four. To me, that's not necessarily too bunchy, if that makes sense, because that's eight spread over ten weeks, which or eight spread over nine weeks, which is, is, is quite quite reasonable in terms of how they spread. So I actually think that this year with, with the Dome, I just think he can get into the double digits for just the second time in his career. And... I struggle to see Adams going up to 15 or above that he needs to stretch that lead because I think Julio's going to have 1,600 yards. He's going to get the same amount of targets as Adams. He's just going to do more with them because that's his natural style. And I can just see him taking it to another level. But again, it, it really is splitting hairs. It, and in some cases, if you're willing to go wide receiver, wide receiver at the turn, you could end up with both of these guys. So especially if your draft is running back heavy. And I mean, there's not many better bases in half point PPR or full PPR than starting a draft Jones Adam. But probably Mike Evans is kind of the guy that I'm most surprisingly high on because I know a lot of people have him in that kind of second tier with Juju Smith-Schuster, with Odell Beckham. I think Mike Evans has the best path to being just at the level of Devontae Adams and Julio Jones of anyone else. I know Juju Smith-Schuster has lost Antonio Brown from that offense and he's going to see a lot more targets. However, he's also going to see a lot more of the primary coverage. Um, I've had this argument with quite a few people now who keep saying, well, how is that going to change from last year? But every time you went anywhere last year, Brown saw the primary coverage. He would have been the primary double and if there was going to be a triple, he would have been the primary triple. Whereas this year, it's going to be Juju. People aren't going to press him at the line as much without coverage help over the top. He's going to have more trouble getting off the line. So that's where I think a guy like Mike Evans, who's going later than Juju, has the chance to really go for it. I mean, Evans only saw 138 targets last year. That's pretty much joint second worst in his five-year career after his rookie season. And he still managed to get 1,500 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Bear in mind that Deshaun Jackson's gone. Adam Humphreys is gone. No one knows if the running backs can actually play football. And OJ Howard can't stay healthy for more than sort of three or four weeks at a time. So I don't see how Evans' target share doesn't go up from 138, possibly into the 150s, possibly as high as career high as 173. And if he does that, I mean, Realistically, 1,800 yards and 8 to 10 touchdowns could be on the table. I mean, Evans could legitimately be challenging for the top three, top top wide receiver spot. I just think he's an incredible bargain at the end of the second round, early third round right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest issue that I have with Mike Evans is is that number of targets. I think 
with with the fact you've got Howard and Godwin, who are both kind of they're both really effective receivers. I think it's it's more it's, he's got more. There's more mouths to feed in those offenses than I think there are in you know in, in terms of pass catches than there are in uh, Green Bay or in Atlanta. Personally, um, so that's that's the that's the biggest issue that I have for for Evans. But I mean, Evans is one of those guys who, yeah, I I don't have an issue with with people taking him high. I mean, he's going to be he's going to score a lot of touchdowns just due, through his physical size. I mean, he's got he's what six five, six six, something like that. I mean, the the guy is huge, and if you're if you're going up against a cornerback like you know, like I'm trying to think of uh, like Patrick Peterson. I think he's about what six foot. So you've got five inches on height, let alone the wingspan of of you. So James Winston can just put it up high, and you know he can laughably just catch it over the top of a cornerback. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd agree that he's definitely got touchdown upside. I'm a little bit concerned about his what he's been able to do after the catch. I mean, I know that the the Tampa offense hasn't been too good, and so. With the quarterback play that he's had, he's had to kind of just <clears throat> take what he's been given. Um, but I would ideally like to see some more run after the catch numbers. I think that that to me is one reason that I would potentially not want to move him too far up my board. Yeah, and obviously there is this leg injury that he's got at the moment that's caused him to miss practice yesterday. I haven't seen whether he was in practice today or not, but he is. He is so talented. He is such a big-bodied receiver that, yeah, the touchdown threat is always going to be there. I just think that in terms of the target share, I don't see what they've added that threatens him. If you're looking at that offense, Godwin was there last year, Howard was there last year. There's nothing there this year that wasn't there last year. The only threat they might have this year is that if they can develop somebody to actually run the ball, they might run the ball a little bit more often. But they're playing in a conference where they've got a lot of good teams. They're playing in a division where they're probably going to be chasing all six of those games. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Bruce Arians loves a vertical passing attack. And realistically, Evans is the best vertical attack weapon that they have. I just think that his dealing is, is pretty, is, is pretty endless. Actually. I really do think he can challenge for the, for the top at this position considering he was sixth last year in what we consider to be a down year for him and his offense. Yeah. Um, the, the thing when you were saying about um, about him having those guys who were there last season, I mean, OJ Howard only played nine games. And Chris yeah, Godwin but he might only play nine games this year. He's just not a guy that stays healthy. He may well only play nine games. That That's, that's absolutely true. Um, Chris Godwin, he played in all, all the games, but he didn't really... I mean, I'd need to look at the game splits, but off the top of my head, he only really started really coming into his own towards the like the later half of the season. Um, and I think if you're looking at vertical weapons, one guy who I think is going to pop on best ball is going to be uh, Perryman, who all he can do is run vertical. He can, you know, he struggles to do anything else. Now, I absolutely love Perryman. I think Rochelle Perryman is a great weapon in that offense because yeah, he, that is his, that is his goal. There've been reports that him and James have been clicking in camp. I I do think he's going to, but I only think he's going to account for a a couple of targets. Maybe he takes the Sean Jackson's away. I'm just having a quick look at what Godwin did last year. And I mean, he, he got over five targets in weeks two, three, five, six, seven. So he saw plenty all the way through the year. So he was good. It was Adam Humphreys that really developed as the year went on. And it was kind of, as Humphreys developed, DJX kind of slid out. So it was DJX in the early part when Fitzpatrick was just doing Fitzpatricky type things. And then when Jameis took over, it kind of became Humphreys. So it will be interesting to see whether Godwin takes that kind of Humphreys role of the underneath receiver, because that could be an interesting thing for Humphreys' development. Yeah. I mean, he's... <clears throat> That's certainly one thing you can do. I mean, I, I'm just looking at um, reception perception, which is part of the ultimate draft kit. And Chris Godwin's success by route is is pretty high. I mean, it, it's green everywhere other than post, which is red. Um, and his success 
success is um, not awful, but you know, there's a couple more reds. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think Chris Godwin will probably, I think he will probably take that that role that was carved out by Adam Humphreys because I think you can have, as you said, we have Bashar Perim on the outside, and Mike Evans. I think Chris Godwin will probably operate in that kind of um, that slot role, which is where Humphreys had. Um, and I think that, as, as you said, um, towards the end of the season when Jameis was there, it was all about Adam Humphreys. And I, th- I think we are split. I think we're splitting hairs here. It, I, I'd be, I'd be interested in having a side bet with you over the how 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 Evans ends up at the end of the season, um, which we can talk about off air. But um, Boom. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, we can talk about it now. But yeah, I, I don't know what. Um, Absolutely, I need to think about. Yeah, the, what level we're going at, but because it would be trying to find the right thing. Because I don't feel like it's out of this realm to say that he's going to finish top five, but I also feel like sometimes being the difference between being number two as a receiver and being number four or five can be very, very minor hair. So yeah, just trying to come up with it right now without looking at the numbers would be very difficult. So I think yeah, talk about it off air, and you can update the listeners on air at another point. Yeah, let's do that. Sounds, Sounds good. good to me. Uh, ben, just to your point, Julio Jones has got 14 games either in a dome or in favourable weather places uh, outside fields. So that's a pretty high percentage of his games that are going to be nice for him, whether it be in a dome or, or outside. And uh, one final receiver we should talk about is James Washington. Now, Rich, you don't even have him ranked. Ben took credence with this. Yeah, so I actually... I need to hold my hands up, and I actually thought I did have him on here, so I, I had to double check that when I saw saw that comment because I was really hoping that I did have him, and I'd be like, uh, actually, he's on this line, um, but no, I don't have him, so I can only really apologise. That's all right. No need to apologise. I thought this was going to be a bit more fireworky this segment rather than you just backing oh. down and saying uh, sorry. I mean, I can give fire because I, I, I mean, the the second receiver in Pittsburgh is going to be valuable. 100% he's going to be valuable but I don't know if it's necessarily going to be if it's necessarily going to be James Washington it could be Dante Moncrief or it could I, be uh, Johnson yeah I, I don't know if it's going to be a rookie I think we saw last year that the, they aren't willing to necessarily chuck rookies out there to run the routes that they ask of their second receiver I know Juju had some success as a rookie but that was more kind of running more standard routes Whereas I feel like they're going to want a guy with a bit more time in the offense. So I think that rules Deontay Johnson out. Dante Moncrief is definitely a threat, but I mean, I just struggle to keep a straight face when people talk about Dante Moncrief as a legitimate fantasy weapon. We, that ship has sailed. He's just not that good. And I mean, again, I'm not taking too much from preseason, but what I do is I sit and I actually, I don't just look at stats, but I've watched the tape. I've watched the way Washington ran his routes in, those pre, in that first preseason game. And my God, he was absolutely incredible. The only catch he didn't bring in, he very nearly did as a toe tap in the side of the end zone. I just think that if you're Ben Roethlisberger watching the way Washington has played these first two preseason games, you are licking your lips at the opportunity of getting him the ball. And I can't see anything he's done while Moncrief's been absent that should cost him the job. So for me, if he doesn't have it now, he's going to have it when Moncrief I feel inevitably cost himself the job by just being mediocre. So I think Washington is a great late round stash in a in a redraft league and a decent mid round pick in a in a dynasty league. Yeah, this isn't as much fun as it was going to be when you didn't have him ranked and you were going to defend yourself to the to the to the four like I thought you were going to. <laughs> No, I, mean, I, I, I know better than that. <laughs> yeah. why, don't, why don't we stay in Pittsburgh then, boys, and talk tight? And Vance McDonald, Ben, you don't think he should be nearly as high as Rich has him? I just don't see what what he's gaining. I know they've lost Brown and they've lost the safe set of hands in those terms, but everyone keeps talking about there being no Jesse James in this offense. Jesse James saw 39 targets last year. He He wasn't a monster and not all of those 39 tight end targets are suddenly going to go to, to Vance McDonald. They're going to use Jalen Samuels and someone like that. He lined up at tight end at time last year, times last year. 
I just don't see why there is this belief that Vance McDonald is suddenly going to become a fantasy stud at the time. I know no one's expecting him to be Travis Kelsey or anything like that, but all of a sudden he just seems to be being seen as this lock to be a top 10 tight end. And he finished 12th last year and I struggled to see him going much above what he did last year. And I just think there is so much more ceiling elsewhere and so much more talent elsewhere. I feel like in some ways, views on McDonald are being swayed by the highlights that we saw of him trucking people at times last year. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing for me is I don't, I'm not really too sure how to feel about this whole middle, um, this whole middle round of tight ends. I mean, when when that that top tier is gone, Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, then I've kind of got um, Howard and Ingram probably as a tier and. And then probably Hunter Henry is almost as as his own because I don't think he's he's good enough in that top five, but I don't think he's as bad as the other guys. Um, <clears throat> but outside of that, you know, once once those top guys have gone, I'm kind of happy to just sit and pick up Jordan Reed or Jimmy Graham that we had. You know, I mentioned uh, last week. I think the I, I think Vance McDonald has he he's got an opportunity to do well in this offense. Because just the sheer number of targets that have left with Antonio Brown, and he does have familiarity in the offense. Um, so I don't think he'll be a fancy darling. And I'm not sure if I would necessarily take him at his ADP. But at the same time, I don't, I think that middle tier of, of guys, I'm really unsure on. I mean, I've got question, I've got question marks over. Uh, and Joku, because I don't know how many targets are going to be able to go his way with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry in that offense. Eric Ebron, I don't like because he was so touchdown dependent. Um, Jared Cook, I know you're quite high on him, Ben, but I'm not sure if we necessarily saw him being effective last season more as a product of there being no one else in Oakland who could catch the ball. And I just think... Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of like, I'm. I'm. I could put a narrative to any one of those tight ends and convince someone to not draft them. I. That's kind of how I feel, and that's and that's why ultimately, I'm. I'm almost of the opinion that I want one of those top guys if if they fall to me. Otherwise, I'm just going to punt the position. Yeah, my kind of strategy at the position is is look at one of those top guys if they drop then I'm kind of the only guy I'm actually really looking at because I have questions about Evan Ingram, how much coverage he's going to see because there's just no one else in New York. I worry about OJ Howard's durability. So for me, it's really those top three. Then it's can I get Cook at a value? If I think I can get Cook at a value or I'm in a tight end premium league where I want to load up, then I do that. If not, I'm just staying away from from the likes of Vance McDonald, whose ADP seems to have been soaring recently as, as he seems to have become this fantasy darling, because you've got guys like Austin Hooper, who last year saw at least four targets in, I think, 12 of the 16 games. I mean, he he didn't do anything particularly special, but realistically, neither did Vance McDonald on a week-to-week basis that makes me suddenly think he's going to become an absolute stud. The guys I really like later on, you were talking about Jimmy Graham and people like that, is I think it's worth a flyer on um, similar vein to Jordan Reed, worth a flyer on Greg Olson because he's so talented. And when he's on the field, I can't help but think he's going to be a top six or seven tight end, possibly even a top five guy on a weekly basis when he's on the field, just because Cam looks his way so often and there is no kind of major target in Carolina. There's not a Julio or a Michael Thomas, anyone like that. It's a lot more, there's a lot more question marks in that offense. So, I think Greg Olson and then someone like Delaney Walker, who's just super talented and who you can kind of handcuff with Jonu Smith if he gets injured. I know I know you're not drafting two tight ends, but it's an easy waiver wire ad if things get dicey for Walker. I just think there's so much t- talent late at this tight end position that you can invest so little in that I'm not paying up for someone with questionable talent like Vance McDonald. I'm looking for someone that I either know is good, someone I think has the ability to be Jimmy Graham light in Jared Cook, or I'm just sitting there and I'm taking 
some of the really talented guys late in the draft when everybody else has reached for the likes of these Vance McDonalds and um, Eric Ebron types. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of where, where I've fallen. I mean, I actually literally penned an article this week for Roto, but I'm not sure where it's going to go up when I was talking about these late round um, tight ends. So literally wrote about uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Graham and Jordan Reed because as, a, as a, I'm just not, I'm just not sure on this, on this whole middle pack, including uh, Jared, Jared Cook. I'm just, I, I think for the, the opportunity cost that I've got in investing in one of those guys, I would be just, just as happy taking a tight end super, super late and getting a, an, another decent wide receiver running back from my bench. I think that's ultimately where I've that, that's kind of how how it's been falling to me in mocks and uh, in some of the drafts that I've been in and I've and I've felt better after those than I have in the ones where I've taken one of those um tight ends in like the seventh, eighth round. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's been strong my my teams have been stronger as well. And actually I've been seeing people like Ebron sort of tumbling down ADP and falling in amongst the Hawkinsons and people like that. And if if he starts doing that, he's worth a flyer just in case he uh, just in case he does have another strong season. And I got your subtle hint there. You know I do editing for Rotoballer. I will now go and find your article and look to rip it to shreds. <laughs> Please <Whoa>. do. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolute madness. Right, boys, this has been an absolute blast. I know you two could probably go all night long, but I've got work to get to in the morning, so we should probably save it for another podcast. Ben, why don't you let Rush Nation know where they can find you all over the interwebs? So everything I do, it runs through at Benroll15. I'm the head of NFL content at The Touchdown on Twitter, um, and that's thetouchdown.co.uk you can find us at. We have a lot of great stuff going up there. I spoke about Tyler's article. We've got some brilliant college football pieces going up by Simon and um, Josh right now. We're going to be having some history of the game type pieces coming up, talking about some of the rivalries and how things like Lev Bell have changed the structure of holdouts. So be sure to check us out there. Follow us on Twitter. We we tweet all our articles at least once a day and you get some terrible humour from myself and uh, a few of the other guys trying to trying to be funny on Twitter. But we, we do it all in good spirits and we like to go back and forward on NFL. We're looking forward to the season, looking forward to college football starting this week. It's a really exciting time right now. Awesome source. And uh, don't forget, we're over there as well, representing the family side of things. <laughs> Well, I assumed you'd pump yourself. I didn't feel like I had to uh, had to pump you. But yeah, doing a brilliant job. And I will be teaming up with you guys and providing some DFS content this year. So I'm really looking forward to getting involved. And we're hopefully going to have some fun contests, both us and I know Rich is doing some stuff through his website and through UKFL with DraftKings. So we're going to have some, some fun contests and hopefully a lot of interaction this year. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So uh, Rich... Thanks for uh, stepping in once again for the African-bound or stuck in Africa, possibly, uh, Murph. Uh, ben, thanks so much for coming on, mate. I appreciate your time. No, thank you for having me. It's been, a great, it's been great fun. I think what we should actually do is, Ben, uh, how, how's your sleeping going to be tonight? Oh, it's going to be so much better now. I've got all of this off my chest and got to uh, pull Rich's uh, ranks apart in public rather than just in private over email and text. And, and if it makes you feel any better, I'm just going to uh, just cry myself to sleep tonight. So. Well, at oh, least you can do it on. Even uh... <laughs> well, Rich, at least you can do it on uh, six kilos of quinoa. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Fluff up the pillow, my friend, and sleep well. Ben, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Rich. I will catch you early next week. But until then, Rush Nation, head over to www.fiveyardrush.co.uk. Have a look at the articles and podcasts over there. Ben, Rich, this has been fun. Until next week, Rush Nation, keep rushing. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.